Are you the hardcore bibliophile of your friend group? Do you wish you could discuss books all day long? Then tune into the Book Nerds podcast and immerse yourself in the world of books. From author interviews, book club meetups to in-depth book reviews and discussions. This is your one-stop shop for all things books. Happy reading. Hello Booknuts welcome Hello. to the Booknuts podcast uh, we are back with another episode we are super excited about having the kabir bedi on the podcast and it's amazing to have you sir first of all welcome to the booknuts podcast thank you so much sir it's so nice to talk to a person who loves books reads books because i think it's so important for people to read books these days um there's so many other audiovisual distractions but the books are such a wonderful immersive experience yeah. that it's lovely to see people that champion the cause of books so congratulations for that thank you so much and uh, i saw a number of references while reading of course your autobiography stories i must tell and congratulations it is already a best seller and priyanka <laughs> chopra <laughs> has yeah i mean <laughs> a lot of endorsements are, have been happening <laughs> and it's amazing you know <clears throat> and uh, you know first of all um i would like to know that um, uh, you know there are lots of autobiographies which kind of i mean i am a fan of autobiographies and biographies they fall flat you know sometimes because uh, mostly because they are hagiographies and you know uh, right. a lot uh, it's it's hard to read those but i felt that sometimes at most times in the book you were a little bit too honest for my liking to be honest so <laughs> is uh, there such a thing as being too honest <laughs> goodness um, that's a uh, but question. yeah that was that was my first question and the follow up to that would be you know the camaraderie between the editor and you uh, and your team yeah. uh, and you so tell us a little bit about that <clears throat> well the two different topics but basically when i decided to write my story i just said i'm going to tell it like it is and i want take people on that journey with me therefore yeah. a lot of my scenes are very graphic very um, almost cinematic you know scene by scene you're watching things yeah. um and i have not and to be honest you have to be um honest with uh, yourself you have to be honest about other people and yeah. therefore if you call out the faults of other people you call out your own faults yeah. and that's perhaps why you think i'm being too honest <laughs> uh but that was the only way to to do it and i must yeah. say that um with uh karsika at, at westland uh, and the entire publishing team yeah have been extraordinarily supportive of what i wanted for instance i like books that have a type size a font size yeah. that is readable so you don't have to squint yeah. to read it i like a generous right. type size right uh, I, i like a particular type of font they allowed me all my idiosyncrasies um i like double quotation marks they allowed that <laughs> i like my paragraphs not to be indented i like clean yeah. separations between paragraphs they allowed right. that you know wow. so to find a uh, publisher that so supports uh, things that you like and how you'd like to see your book yeah. is a very wonderful and rare experience right and i must thank westland and karthika yeah. and shweta and sonia and the entire and gotham of course the ceo yeah. for the support yeah. they've given me the warmth with which they welcome my book to their right. uh, table publications 
that's wonderful to know and uh, you know uh, i have to talk about your parents because that was the most fascinating part of the book for me at least i mean i could be i mean it's just my personal opinion uh, but uh, reading about your parents and how your childhood was kind of intertwined with the indian independence movement as well so that was quite fascinating and that's something i mean nobody knows i mean uh, everybody talks yeah. about khuldari mang and sandokan and you know bold <laughs> right. and the beautiful right, and right, octopus right, right. we all talk about it but these are the things that really fascinated me and thank you for adding those to the book you know um rahul i didn't just want to write about myself it was important that people understand the context of the times in which i grew up yeah. what it was like even though i wasn't there for many of the uh, freedom fighting years but they were part of my family history i knew uh, about them and i must say that um, that was an important thing that i that i need to share the kind of sacrifices people made in in those yeah. times yeah and what it meant to be a handpicked satyagrahi of mahatma gandhi as my mother was what it was like to be a trade union leader and a communist like my father was yeah. what it was like to be imprisoned by the british um and, and the incredible stories of of sacrifice there's some stories i haven't even put in the book uh, there was a time when my brother was seriously ill and my parents had no money for medicines even and they went to the chemist and they said please give us medicines we'll pay you when we have money and they said pedi sir we know what you've done for the country and freedom right. you can take any amount of medicines from me any time and i'll never charge wow. you for them wow. that kind of you know patriotic support um, yeah. is just wonderful to see people believing in causes right. and and then of course you know my own growing up uh, in, in coming of age in, in the 60s which is a Yeah. Uh, generation of transition etc so but coming back to my parents i mean here were people that were both on scholarship at oxford could have come back to india got the best jobs mm-hmm. and they gave it all up to yeah. fight for the freedom of the country with very little money yeah. printing uh, newspapers on hand presses yeah. uh, trying to make a go of it news agents not paying um all those things that made it so difficult to exist right. at on that level right. and the kind of um, lives that they led and then went on to become religious figures right. my mother went on to become the, the the highest ranking buddhist nun in the world my father a new age philosopher how did these people transition from revolution to religion yeah. what in their stories made that happen and how did, and what kind of relationship did they had yeah. did they have even after they transitioned to that that's the fascinating story Yeah. So my parents are and also the the religious values they gave me. Yes. My father's a descendant of Guru Baba Nanak so Sikhism yeah. was part of his DNA. Right. Um Buddhism was my mother's uh discovery and uh, and fulfillment. So I had that Buddhist line within me yeah. Yeah. as well as a natural curiosity for what the truth of the universe is. Right. So all those things are part of the thing that shaped me as a human being while growing up. Yeah. what a combination actually you know uh, when you get such uh, kind of um, different sort of influences i'm sure i mean it's a double edged sword though i mean it can it can confuse you or it may encourage you to kind of explore more into the spiritual world and uh, yeah so uh, both in my case both in my case it, it encouraged yeah. me it confused me also because different religions were saying different things yeah. and i wanted to know who was what was the truth 
Yeah. You know, so yeah, it, it encouraged me, it confused me, it set me on a lifelong quest for finding out for myself yeah. Yeah. what resonated for me in terms of the truths of our existence. Right. Uh, so That's all part of my about, book. Yeah, yes. I mean, guys, if you want to read all all of that, you have to buy the book first, you know. It's it, <laughs> it's right. not going to be it's not going to be in this 30-minute session, okay? So you need to buy the book from Amazon or an independent bookstore. And uh, thank you, Westland, of course, for letting us do this. Uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, Sandokan books. And uh, it's, uh, I mean, in India, we we don't really know about it. And of course, uh, Emilio Salgari's, uh, the, the entire series, and I checked it out. Uh, they were quite a rage and brilliantly adapted by Sergio Solima. And uh, yeah. uh, what were the aspects uh, you feel that uh, made it such a rage? Because adaptation is a tricky, you know, sort of uh, yes. thing to do. <clears throat> Let me just put this in context for viewers that are tuning in and may not have heard of Sandokan or may not have heard of Salgari and wondering how this relates to a Bollywood actor's life. Um, (laughs) The fact is that uh, Sandokan was the Italian series that made me a mega star in Italy and the whole of Europe. And how I got there and what took me there is all part of my story. But the interesting thing is that the stories of Emilio Salgari and particularly the character of Sandokan yeah. was something that every Italian child read. It's almost like the, the Robin Hood of Italy. Okay. And Salgari was a writer that was wrote popular fiction about events happening all over the world, uh, Russia, South America, Asia, the North Pole even. Yeah. And he never left his own hometown. It was all came from his imagination and his research. It's amazing. And he was, yeah. he was so popular. He was wow. so popular. He was knighted, not knighted, um, uh, recognized as the Queen of uh, uh, Italy. He was read by all the great South American writers, Carlos yeah. Fuentes, Borges, Isabella Allende. Yeah. Even Che Guevara said he read 62 books of, of, wow. of Salgari. <laughs> so, you know, he was a very well-known author, and yet he died bankrupt. And his final note to the publisher is really one of the most poignant notes, which I've included in my book, saying, I break my pen, but please pay for my funeral. Um, Very sad. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, actually. And (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. You know, so, but the thing was, it's not as though making a film on Sandokan was a guarantee of success in itself. Two films had been attempted before as films, and it done so-so business, nothing huge. Yes. Sergio Solima, on the other hand, a man who had... um, who had uh, directed uh, action films with Charles Bronson, um, with um, um, uh, Fabio Testi, big names, um, kind of uh, spaghetti western type films. Okay. uh, And a film called Violent City as well, you know, city dramas. Yeah. He had this vision that the books of Salgari could make a great miniseries. Wow. And his vision... Yeah. He was. He wrote it along with others. He directed it. He fought for the right art director, an Oscar-winning um, art director. He fought. Right. He fought for young musicians to give it a new right. soundtrack, and he fought for an unknown actor from Bollywood to be Sandra. <laughs> That's yeah. fascinating. Unknown in terms of Italy, right. because it was the story of an Asian pilot fighting the British, yeah. Yeah. and um, in a strange way, echoing what my father had done, but. Uh, he 
he fought for it and he got it made on a beautiful scale. It broke every record in European television history, records that lasted for decades. So I owe all my success in Europe to Sergio Solomon for his vision and for having the courage of choosing me, an unknown actor in Italy, to play the lead role of Sandro Khan. And it's amazing, a follow-up question to that, because you went all the way to, uh, uh, to Italy to audition for the role on your cost. I mean, that, that, that's, that's amazing yes. in those times. I mean, of course, you, you uh, I mean, it, I don't know what no. the situation was financially at that point of time, but it must have been expensive. It was expensive and it was a risk that I had to take. You know, yeah. that was the spirit that, that marked me uh, throughout life. The willingness to take risks when I recognized the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I had a secure job in advertising, working with Lintas and Ogle and Mather. Yes. I took the opportunity of joining Bollywood. Bollywood made me a name. Yeah. Being a name brought me to the attention of the Italians and they came looking for the right actor. Yeah. Then they said, you have to audition at your cost. I could have said, hey, listen, I'm not some struggling actor, you know, uh, give some respect to Indian actors. Hey. But I thought, no, don't make a fuss of this. It could could be something very important. And I went there. I went to Italy at my own cost. Um, then they tried to lodge me in some stupid hotel. And I said, no, I draw the line here. You have to give me the respect that an actor right. deserves. The actors right. stare. I said, which actors? Uh, you know, you're, you're talking to to an Indian actors come to audition for an important role. So yeah. those things I made the stands on, but not the cost of going to Rome. And then I worked bloody hard for the audition, riding, fencing, underwater swimming, uh, love scenes, dramatic scenes, horse riding, wow. everything. I, I put my heart and soul, I threw myself into it and aced it. So I got yeah. the role. I think it should be on Netflix again. I think so. It should be on Netflix. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe you can make it happen. Well, but, well, yeah. that's that's one thought. But what's happened in the meantime is that after all these years, um, because everyone knows about the success of the series, yeah. Yeah. they've decided now to remake it with modern technology oh. and with oh. a new actor, okay. a Turkish actor okay. called Kanye Man, okay. who I'm sure will be a very worthy successor. He looks a lot like me when I look at that <laughs> age. And he's a very good actor. Yeah. And he has some of the best studios behind him. So mm-hmm. I see another revival of the whole Sandokan legend happening. Yes but yes. in a modern way with modern technology and nothing makes me happier. We'll go into a break and uh, be right back to the Book Nerds podcast. Hello, Book Nerds. Welcome back to the Book Nerds podcast. Let's talk about your time in Delhi because it all started there and you worked uh, for a bit at All India Radio and Doordarshan and there were some good and bad and not so good experiences. Um, let's talk about the Beatles. Half the population or most of the population doesn't doesn't know that the Beatles came first to India in 1966. So uh, tell us more about that, you know, interview mm-hmm. and, you know, that episode. Well, I'm not going to give away the crown jewels of my story uh, in a few sound bites, <laughs> but I certainly will say that I was working for All India Radio because I had to pay my way through college because of my parents' idealistic lives. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the freelance things I did, yeah. along with tourist guiding and voiceovers and external services, reading the news services and all that. Yeah. Um, but 
I, when the Beatles came into town, I was absolutely determined to, to meet them because I was their biggest fan. I was, you know, I saw myself as the biggest Beatles fan in the world. Right. So I knew I had to get there. Now, while the rest of the Delhi Press Corps were trying to look for the Beatles, I was looking for their manager, Brian Epstein. And um, Brian Epstein was the guy I knew I had to get to. So, And then I cornered him and I knew his vulnerability and I and I, I pressured him saying the, that the government of India wanted this interview and eventually <laughs> how I did that whole <laughs> jugard around him to yes. try and get the interview it worked and you had the hustle myself, back then you had the hustle back then you have to, you had to do things you don't get um, interviews like that just by you know playing it by the book and writing letters um I, I had him in front of me and I pressured him. And I said, I've got to do this and the government will be very upset if you don't, etc." And they just had a hassle in the Philippines with the government. So I knew that was their vulnerability. Yeah. And then I got the interview with the Beatles. Now, what happened in that interview, I'm absolutely not going to go into because it was okay. a fantastic yes, interview, yeah. which I've written about in my book. But the aftermath of the interview, certainly I can talk about because when I gave the uh, tape to... All India Radio. The staffers in the back room didn't know what they had. And they just broadcasted very casually. And then three weeks later, when I went to get the, a couple of weeks later, when I went to get the tapes, uh, they said, I found they had taped over those tapes with another program. Because in those days, they didn't have money for tapes. I I understand that problem, but they should have known that an interview with the Beatles could be played forever. (laughs) This was broadcasting gold. And that so upset me as a it's upset me. It made me think about whether I wanted to work with people like that. Right. It made me wonder what my direction in life should be, whether I was putting, you know, all my energy and yeah. youth and intelligence and uh, ideas into something yeah. that was a dead-end road. Right. And I realized that I had to change tracks. Right. So in my book, one of the themes is that every crisis is an opportunity yeah. and how you can reinvent yourselves. Yeah. And I decided to reinvent myself. And I set off for Mumbai with uh, yeah. 700 rupees in my pocket, determined to become a filmmaker. And then how I became an actor instead is another story <laughs> in my book. Uh, it's my book is full of interesting stories because I have lived an extraordinary life. And I, the way I've written it is yeah. broken up into a number of stories yeah. um, that are, in a sense, complete within themselves right. and didn't. And I, get uh, beyond writing it in a linear way, which I didn't want yeah. to do, because I find linear yeah. stories very boring. I was born here, I went to school here, I went to college. Who cares? Right. What is the story of your life? Let's get on with that. So I can reference those through different stories at different times and keep each story moving forward so that people are interested in what's happening, what's coming next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're so right. I, I think you're so right. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. Uh, You're so right that uh, the uh, non-linear writing style made it interesting. And I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's difficult to write though, because you need to keep a track of kind of what's happening. Yes. How much you've told, how much you've not told and where to tell it in different stories. So the totality adds up to to my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You have to be very careful about it. Yeah. Let's talk about the writer inside you. Uh, which has, I, I don't know if you have written between uh, sort of when you wrote Ramblings on a Beach uh, and, uh, you know, the autobiography, 
बट द रैमलिंग ऑन अ बीच वॉज एक्सट्रीमली फिलोसॉफिकल एंड एक्सिस्टेंशियल एट दैट पॉइंट इन टाइम यू वॉज जस्ट ट्वेंटी नाइन आई बिलीव राइट right 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 um, so I, i i would like to quote from there actually so that people get a context of what i'm talking about sure, please, uh, please, please. just a couple of lines uh, everywhere i see generation beach yes oh, yes it's put in context i'm me walking on jew beach yes, yes, um yes. looking at people and think about life oh yes everywhere i see generations being brought up in the fear of authority living in fear of society dying in fear of the unknown and i wonder what is the use of a life that is spent in fear i mean that has a lot of layers i mean uh, i don't know what you were thinking back then but right now it's also clear what you were talking about yeah, yeah. you were talking about family uh, um, you were talking about everything yeah these are themes i i i explored It's a very philosophical kind of walk as well as a very human walk with i talk about these girls having a race on the yeah. beach and how the girl who came second feels and how the feeling of inferiority and failure in this child is being instilled I think that about nasindri it was a story i wrote um, for the illustrated weekly of india when kushwant singh was its editor and very wonderfully he included that story in his kushwant singh selects best indian short stories volume 1 so it was a that's huge tribute that's an achievement, uh, that's an achievement. <laughs> it is an achievement you know i only i could write because firstly my as you can see from my mother's letters um my father's no uh, letters as well yeah they were very skilled in the use of the english language yes and those letters had a great poignancy to to the stories that i tell right but i i loved writing speaking reading english right. and then when i joined advertising uh, my skills as a as a copywriter were honed and i understood the the beauty of writing without too many words to tell it as cleanly as possible without being it our unnecessary adjectives all the time and you know over dramatizing things that the statements evoke everything in the simplest possible way and it's very hard to write simply it's True. very hard to write simply uh, i mean yes. you could have made you could have ma- uh, made this book extremely lyrical you know and philosophical yeah. but it's it takes away most of the audience i suppose because most yeah, people don't understand uh, poems and poetry oh, it uh, just so, becomes yeah. you know um people try you know impressed with their own verbosity um <laughs> i just like uh, things written clearly but evocatively yeah. they right. must evoke in you i'm people like graham green the writer mm-hmm. are among my role models he wrote with such clarity and yet evoked these in wonderful images in your mind yes. um yes. through his um through his uh, use of words right. that doesn't and i always remember that and so when i sat down to write i said i'm going to write it as clean as i can as uh, tell the story don't get sidetracked into all kinds right. of Uh, and while i was there this happened and then you go into some kind of side street and come back to the yeah. main plot people need to be imp- people are impatient what happened next i yeah. write in a way that that keeps riveted that makes the book unputdownable right. that was my litmus test for myself which is why i threw away five six drafts of what i wrote because i thought this book is boring me i wouldn't read it wow. i wanted a book that i would read and i would not put down 
at my test for my own book. That that's that's a lot of drafts right there. Uh, let's let's talk about the movies. And uh, of course, in India, everybody knows about uh, Koon Bari Mang. In fact, uh, for uh, most of my childhood, I hated you for what you did to hmm. Rekha. But <laughs> but that a lot I think of children that... <laughs> were completely in fear of me. Have you seen that scene of me pushing Rekha to the crocodile? Yes, I think so. And I they think so. Many in people fear believe. Of me and then... Yeah. I think so they many people believe up. that you carry a crocodile with you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but a lot of people thought, yeah, bad man. And, so, and you know, they grow up with this, and then they meet me and they say, you're not like that at all. And then they see other films of mine, they realize the man's an actor. He's, yes. you know, it's yes. not his profession to throw um, the rake out to the crocodiles. <laughs> but he's beyond that. So, that so is my wonderful doing home very long. Yeah, my question was that, you know, uh, you worked in Europe, uh, you worked here and you worked in Hollywood. Uh, you had some uh, tumultuous times also in Hollywood, but most of it uh, was must have been fun. Um, what are the differences? I mean, it must have been very hard to acclimatize because they are like poles apart. You know, um, it, it wasn't that difficult to acclimatize uh, okay. because Bollywood gives you a training where you can act in any film industry in the world. Because in those days, firstly, they, did, they didn't give you scripts. They just gave you narrations. And they gave you the scene written a day or two before the shooting, if you're lucky, or on the sets. Okay. You have to learn your lines immediately, learn how to emote, learn how to act, act yeah. them and figure it out. So with that kind of training, when you're given scripts well in advance in Western countries, yeah. Yeah. it's a cakewalk. You have more time to right. think about it, more time to plan, etc. Right. It's hard to go the other way. We're used right. to getting things in advance and coming in having yeah. instantly. Yeah. So Bollywood is a great training ground. And yeah. it certainly gave me um, uh, a set of skills that I could apply to cinema. Because I'd come into Bollywood from being a stage actor. I had just done this play of Girish Karnad called yes. Tughlaq, which is the yes. success Alec Mumsi's play, which then brought me into the film industry. So as a stage yes. actor coming to films, you have to adapt to film. This film is a different medium. You don't have a stage where you go on from beginning to end. You're constantly interrupted in film, and there are constant distractions. You're saying something we'd love to learn, but what's in front of you is a bunch of gaping onlookers, you know? So yes. you have to learn to cut out the distractions, focus on what's before you. Um, and that training worked very well when I went abroad. Yes, they plan much more abroad and they shoot films very quickly. Uh, yes. We spend time playing and shoot, take a little longer shooting. But India is certainly um, uh, changing. Young directors yeah. today will give you scripts. They will give you schedules. Uh, right. They will shoot films fast. So India's yeah. um, right on the cusp of of, of, of of great modernization. Some films are still done the old way, but majority right. of films today are shot fast. Right. Um, some of the parts in the book were quite overwhelming, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I Actually, I was reading the book and I started crying. My wife came in and said, what happened to you? It's 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 Kabir Bedi's book. Why are you crying? You should have fun, and you know. But it was overwhelming, you know. At po uh, points um, uh, when your son Siddharth is going through schizophrenia, and you know those parts, um, especially talking about mental health, um, you yeah. have been kind of very close to it, 
and it's a taboo in india let's admit it uh, how do you see that and can we evolve you know beyond it and kind of you know look at it as uh, another medical issue you know mental health is a kind of taboo and it's very unfortunate and i think we we need to see it in uh, with far more compassion not just for the victim but also for the caregivers yeah. the caregivers as much if not more than the victim because the victim very often are unaware of what is happening to them they think it's normal um but the caregivers dealing with a changed personality but more than mental health it's really dealing with the stories about a father trying to prevent his son committing suicide Right, and that story is, is what I went through, and I had to write it as honestly as I could, right. and I did, and I had to go back into there and relive that, yeah, yeah, yeah. and to share with, with with my readers, yeah, and, and that of course was was, was wrenching. It was the whole experience so wrenching, and right. that is why you were touched by what happened because I put no filters. I just. shared that dramatic so, so journey with honest. you let me be honest uh, uh, i was right there with you to be honest i yeah. was yeah. right there and uh, that is uh, the mark of you know what a great autobiography uh, there shouldn't be any filters and mm-hmm. uh, congratulations on that i i Thank want you. to talk about you know um, of course the great movies but there were some you know uh, blips here and there uh, you know there are so many actors right now there's so many actors in bombay and all over the world uh, it's very difficult uh, in the world of social media to stay you know kind of stoic and uh, uh, you know uh, stay sane um, how did you stay sane first of all and would you like to tell everyone how to do that you know um it's very strange but you need to stay i want to use the word sane but but, yeah. but balanced in touch with your humanity in touch with your common sense yeah even in moments of success right because as someone said anyone can handle it but to yeah give man power and his character emerges right. so you have to be very careful what you do and say when you have power because your actions and decisions have great uh implications for everybody around you and even for your own life and you have the power to make the wrong decision which will adversely affect you as well yeah. so yeah. that's the problem of power and success there are also great problems of uh failure yeah uh decades after my extraordinary success in europe i'm facing bankruptcy in america right how do you deal with that what is yeah. it like for a celebrity to go through a bankruptcy right um with with no safety net be- beneath him how do you resurrect your career from those ruins and that's part of my story yes so the the the, the staying sane is staying sane in success and saying within quotes uh in terms of failure and setbacks because only a clear mind and a clear will um can lift you out of that and you know it takes a lot of mental energy to lift yourself out of a dark place yeah when you suffer loss money because you made bad investments or a person who you love dearly or a job that was sustained yeah. your life you go into a very dark place yeah. how do you beat that how do you rise above that yeah. um 
how can you call on your, remember and call on your inner strengths to know right. I will overcome? A boy that left Delhi with 700 rupees in his pocket didn't come yeah. so far to fail. Uh, there are other ways, and, and I did it. So that's why I say my life has been a, one hell of a story. And oh, if yeah. you read it, you will see yeah. what I went through. From enormous success to enormous setbacks, great loves, great losses, um, tumultuous relationships, um, a roller coaster career. Um, yeah. And how do you survive all that? So that question is very valid. How do you survive that is part of why I wrote the book and what is important for people to know uh, how it is like to be in those situations, how it is like to be an international actor, yeah. how it is like to overcome both the problems of success and failure. Right. Uh, my final question, and I have to talk about this because I encountered at one place in the book that you met Audrey Hepburn. I mean, you must have met so many great actors and personalities. People, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what was the first time you got starstruck yourself? Well, meeting Audrey Hepburn was certainly the most gobsmacking moment for me. Because I was with all the success of Sandor Khan and everyone lionizing me and you know, I was the cock of the walk, etc. Yeah. And I go to this party in uh, Sardinia, and I and it was a kind of very sophisticated upper class party, and they didn't want to seem obsequious, so they respected right. the face. And I went to the veranda, and I was looking at the beautiful boat sailing by in the bay on the sea, beautiful seaside villa, yeah. and, I was, and I hadn't much time to reflect on all that had happened to me in Italy, which was life changing. Right. Um, and suddenly this woman sits down next to me and says, hello, can I talk? And I look, that's Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn? I mean, I adored her from Breakfast at Tiffany's and all the films she did. Yeah. And she was one of the divas of the golden age of, of yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. She'd won Oscars, she'd won Golden Globes, she'd won BAFTAs. Yeah. She was the cream of Hollywood. And here she was at this party saying, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and then another, you know, it was just one of those fanboy moments. And the minute yeah. I started gushing, I saw her eyes glaze over a little like a star who's heard it all before. Yeah. So I changed the topic completely. I said, <laughs> so isn't you in, in Italy? And she said, yes, I live here. And I said, really? Yeah. Um, she said, uh, yes, I'm, I'm married. I'm living in, in Rome. And I was puzzled. I thought, I thought you were married to Mal, Mel Ferrer because I knew everything about her. She said, yeah. no, that was over many years ago. I'm now married right. to um, right. this uh, psychiatrist in Rome. So, yeah. so how do you think about Hollywood? How do you balance Italy and Hollywood? This is a question I was interested in. She right. said, no, I don't think of Hollywood much these days. And I'm thinking, yeah. you can't just be a housewife in Rome. <laughs> you know? I, I didn't say that. I thought that. So yes. I said, so what do you think about What do you do with the time? And she said, I think about the less fortunate of the world. I think about the children who go to sleep hungry. Right. I think about the fact that we can do something for them, but we don't. Right. And years later, she became the UN Goodwill Ambassador, and she got the highest award in America uh, for her humanitarian work. So she actually put that belief that she shared with me at that party in um, 1976 in Rome yeah. into action. 
And decades later, she was recognized as one of the greatest humanitarians. And she also had a great fascination with Tagore. She asked me about oh, something yeah. to go. And, and, I, said, and in know, fact, I, I missed I that. I, missed that away, but I went to his school, Shanti Niketan. Yes, yes. I missed Shanti, uh, mentioning Shanti Niketan. And of course, your time at St. Stephen's. And there is so much more. Read the book, guys. Get it from Amazon. Get it from uh, an independent bookstore near you. And you won't regret it. I'm telling you, if you haven't read this autobiography, you have to. It's the biggest autobiography of this year. Thank you so much, sir. This, we are really honored to have you, first of all. And uh, love that you were candid. I, I, I mean, your book is just, you know, I mean, it's you You are talking to everyone. It's as simple as that. So it's, it's amazing. And looking forward to so much more. Yes. Thank you so much, Rahul. Yes, we are looking forward to so much more from you, though. <laughs> well, I hope to keep writing because I've enjoyed yeah. the process so much and I have more stories to tell. But I'll write them only if enough people read these stories that I've told and uh, enough people want more stories. I think so that will happen and I'm pretty sure about it. It's <laughs> a power-packed and honest autobiography. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for being Thank you, Rahul. And please thank Neha also from me. Yes, sure. And uh, thank you so wonderful that you championed the cause of books. I salute you for that. <laughs> thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. It means a lot. And uh, looking for forward to an awesome year. Till then, happy reading. Thanks.